0: Here we are at the last week of our series, uh, sermon series on God's heart for his people. And in 2020, we've examined what are the things that don't change uh, for us as the church. And we have so much to be encouraged by that God's character does not change and God's heart for his people and mission for his people has not changed a bit. We don't have to wait for COVID to end for us to be on assignment. We are on assignment and we are part of the body of Christ. Those of us who believe in God's heart for us has not changed and he, has, he is going to turn this for good because he is good and because he's powerful enough to do it. As we look at this last week, we see that God's heart for the, for the discipleship of his people is the plan. God's heart is that we would come to faith, gather together, grow up in our faith, and continue to draw other people to come to their faith and help them to grow up in their faith. God's heart is for the discipleship of His people. Um, when I was in, uh, uh, in that job with Walmart and I was doing those cart corrals, it was just a few years that uh, my brother and I started doing interior remodels of Sam's Clubs and Walmarts and uh, we did them out of the state and, and all across the country and uh, we had the problem, one of my main jobs was trying to find people to do the jobs and train them to do those jobs. Walmart was very different, Sam's being in a Sam's Club or being in a Walmart, you would work nights, you had to make sure that the, that the uh, space was ready to uh, open it and safe. Uh, every night you had to have the temporary walls back up, and you had to have it really clean, and you had to never prohibit them from selling. They were always taking a a, a, a check on how sales were during the construction progress, and we during the construction project, and we would be judged based on that. And it's a different kind of construction. A lot of people lost money on jobs that they took with Walmart on their first or second job. But once you learned how to do it, it wasn't bad, but you had to train your people. My job for a number of years was to go around the country and find crews, train them to do these jobs and and help them do them effectively. That meant, like in the case of Indianapolis, and and finding that crew in Indianapolis, even down to helping them know how to speak differently. Uh, Not use language like you normally would on a construction site Uh, Being aware of people around you taking care how you move a lift through a job site Uh, It was we were constantly learning about safety and learning about the requirements checking our bags on the way in and way out uh, protection against stealing uh, while we were on those jobs and uh, that crew I became dear friends with and, and we. I worked alongside of them. Sometimes I would put my tools on and I knew what was going on in their lives and, uh, and invested in them and invested in their instruction of how to do Walmarts. And they went around the country for us doing Walmarts. Um, that is my picture in a way of discipleship, is finding someone local, bringing them in, uh, getting them to sign on, teaching them how to fl- function and flourish, and how to become a different kind of crew, one that does Walmart's and Sam's Clubs effectively. That is our picture today, or our illustration, a metaphor of what it means to be a disciple. It's a model for us of discipleship. You see, Jesus modeled for us first what it means to be Christian, what it means to make disciples. And here at the very end of Matthew, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we see God's heart for the discipleship of his people. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Let me read that for us. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." The first thing I want you to see as we look at the power of Christ in the church to go make dis- disciples. The power of Christ in the church is in this first verse that Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me this is a really big moment for the church Matthew 28 18 to 20 Jesus uses big words all authority all nations all that I have commanded you always and to the end of the age he begins this uh, commissioning of the church speaking of his authority and he ends it with a promise of his presence in the work uh, till the end of the age to right up through 2020, right now, his presence and his authority and is in the disciple-making process. Uh, first, the power of Christ in the church is to go make disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ. In Jesus's ministry, in Matthew nine six, he speaks of Jesus of himself that the Father gave him authority to forgive sins on earth. That was during his ministry; he had that authority. He was given the authority to reveal the Father. In Matthew 11:27, 27, uh, I'll read that one for you. It says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus was revealing the Father, and he was given authority to do that. And now we're seeing in this passage, in the disciple-making process, Jesus is giving us authority He is extending His authority to the church. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The Father is now expressing His authority through His Son. In Daniel 7, 13 and 14, we see a picture of the promise of the Messiah, the Son of Man, and how that Son is going to have authority that's beyond what we imagine. And as he is raised from the dead, this is the authority that he's talking about. Daniel 7, 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom to all that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away in his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. Jesus is now declaring that he he has received that authority for the kingdom of God, that is the church, the gathering of his people. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now we've just had a president that has uh, been elected, we think, (laughs) the election is over, and uh, and we'll start to see what a a human does with authority. What kind of authority does a president have? uh, A president has the authority to sign or veto legislation, to command the armed forces, to convene or adjourn Congress, to grant reprieves or pardons, he can appoint a cabinet, and he can appoint a whole bunch of workers that just serve him and his family. There's a whole bunch of people and secretaries and servants and barbers and doctors and he is surrounded by people that are just waiting for him to give a command. He has authority, the President of the United States. Jesus is now declaring that he has authority and he can give commands to the people that he is Lord over. And he is Lord over the whole earth. He is Lord over all of us. What would you imagine after completing his work on the cross, after accomplishing all that the Father sent him to do so that he could say from the cross, it is finished. And then he gets done and now he returns and he is just about to ascend and he's talking to 500 of his followers on a hill in Galilee. And as he's talking to them and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. If I was Jesus, or you were Jesus, we might say, it's time for a break. It's time for you to serve me. I've been serving you for my whole life. I have been serving you for 30 years, and and in these last three years, in a very significant way, I've been persecuted, I have been uh, beat down, I have been diminished, I have been humiliated, and now I'm in the position where all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me to lead and to govern and to be the king of throughout eternity what is the command that you would give well jesus does like he normally does and he expresses the heart of his father and he gives a command that is others focused he gives a command to continue this selfless service of discipleship all authority has been given to christ so we move from the power of Christ in the church. Go make disciples. Jesus is leveraging his authority in the context of this command, of this commission of the church. The second point we see in verse 19, in the beginning of verse 20, is the playbook of Christ for the church. Go make disciples. Now, if you were uh, part of a football team getting ready for Sunday, you would see that on Monday there would be a playbook that would have a a list of plays that you intended to use and strategize to be successful on the next week. And everybody would study their plays and everybody would study their parts and what's going to be called and how they're going to have a game plan. And as we look at the playbook and the game plan for the church, it is go make disciples. Jesus modeled it, Jesus commanded it, and we see that command here. I'll read all of verse 19 in the beginning of verse 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The primary command in this passage, the primary imperative is make disciples. He commands his followers, make disciples. Jesus has been modeling making disciples. In John 4, 1 and 2, it says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. In this is the model of discipleship. Christ has been going around making disciples, but also teaching his disciples to make disciples. The church is beginning with just a few hundred people. And by the time they get back to Jerusalem, the ones who were in the upper room is less than a hundred, less than 50. And as they're praying and the church begins, discipleship is the game plan. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is more than just uh, understanding that you're a believer, and accepting Jesus Christ it is being part of the team and being part of the game plan and being trained to be able to do that significant work of making disciples in the church this primary command to go and make disciples is about establishing churches in Acts 14:21, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples this is Paul and, 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 uh, and, and his followers. They return to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Paul is on this missionary journey and he is making disciples and planting churches. The church is the gathering of the disciples of Jesus Christ. Well, what are disciples? Disciples is about making Jesus Lord. Discipleship is about worship. It's about worshiping our Lord Jesus. It's about being sold out for Christ. It's about putting our faith in Jesus Christ so that we would believe, but then becoming a follower of Jesus Christ and putting that faith on display through our actions. It absolutely changes everything about us. Being a Christian, which is equal to discipleship, should be, when we understand what does it mean to be Christian, it means to be a disciple means to be one who is growing up in their faith and their understanding of Christ's Lordship, surrendering our lives to him, surrendering our sins to him, surrendering our hopes and our dreams, surrendering our disappointments to him, and trusting him with our lives. Becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ is about a radical change in the way we see ourselves. We see that uh, Jesus, in his discipleship, broke through and charged us to break through, as he says, all nations, gender barriers, ethnic barriers, social barriers, economic barriers. And making disciples for Christ, when he says all nations, he is anticipating this movement out of Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth, Acts 1.8. Jesus sees discipleship as he commissions his followers to go out and make disciples of all nations. That's the picture. Well, the main command, the imperative, is make disciples. But there are three subordinate participles. Go, baptizing, and teaching. Well, let's look at those three participles. Verse 19 begins with, Go, therefore, and make all disciples. And you'll remember that go is our fourth G word in our, uh, in our vision for our church. And we picked go in part because of verse 19. The expectation is movement, that we would move towards the lost and away from comfort, that we would move towards the lost and, and not just huddle up. The church is not just a holy huddle. It is stepping out onto the field of play in our work, in our neighborhoods, and, and wherever God has planted us, and, and that we go out into the world and tell people about Jesus. Now, is there rejection involved with that? Certainly. Is there difficulty involved with that? Yes, it would be much easier to not go. But all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ and he is with us to the end of the age and he is saying go. And as we consider go and the chasm sometimes that it feels like we have to cross to go into the lives of the people that are hurting around us to seek and save the lost. I want you to remember the chasm that Jesus followed, the barriers that Jesus broke through to be God with us, to be Emmanuel, and to come alongside of us to make disciples of people. He is the one who broke down barriers. He is the one who stepped across the line from heaven onto the earth, from creator to the creation, from infinite to the finite, and he stepped into our lives and into our world so that he could make disciples. And he's now saying for us to go, just as we looked looked at last week, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And now he charges his disciples to go and make disciples. Then baptizing is the next uh, participle. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Well, baptism, at the point when Jesus began his ministry had a cleansing effect to it. That when someone would step into the waters, there was an anticipation that sins would be washed away. And, uh, and that they would align themselves with someone, like John the Baptist. And he was baptizing and making disciples. But when Jesus' discipleship, and as it transfers into the church, the cleansing flood is the blood of Jesus and it makes us absolutely clean. Baptism doesn't save, baptism doesn't clean. Baptism is a declaration. Baptism is an initiation, an action that places us in the body of Christ and, and lets our neighbors know and our friends know and the church know that we identify our lives with Christ now. We are declaring him as Lord. We are declaring him as Savior. And at the same time, it is an initiation for the church. We recognize before the church, I am being baptized so that I can say that this is my church and I identify with these other disciples. And I'm committed to these other disciples. I wonder if you've been baptized. We don't press hard on baptism because we don't want people to feel like, and, and some have said, well, this saves if you're baptized, then you're saved. So that has caused some us at times to back off. But we don't want you to believe that you're saved because of baptism. We want you to know that baptism is uh, just a, uh, a sign of our salvation. Look at me with uh, Romans 6, 1 through 4. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into christ jesus were baptized into his death we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father we too might walk in newness of life we see that baptism is just it becomes infinitely more significant to us as christians than it was for those who were baptizing prior to christ this is a an example of going into the grave into death with Christ and then coming out in the resurrection and we are identifying with Christ's death and Christ's resurrection in baptism and what I want you to see here is this is part of Jesus' central command that we would be baptized and I don't want you to miss that an act of obedience we should be obeying Christ in this we should obey these commands not only because all authority has been given to Him and that He is presently with us, but because our Lord and Savior who gave up everything for us has commanded us to be baptized. He's commanded us to go. We are to be baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is one of the clearest pictures of the Trinity in the Scriptures, in the, in the Gospels. Where Jesus, is, where Jesus is describing how we baptize, and now when I baptize someone in our church, I baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and, and as they are raised up, we rejoice, not because that's what saved them, but because in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this is another act of faith, being baptized. We are commanded to go. We are commanded to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we are commanded to make disciples by teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them all to uh, to observe all that I have commanded you. In a way, we could say that this passage has go, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That baptizing is the initiation into the church. And that would be gather, so we have go, and we have gather, and now we have grow, teaching them to do all that I have commanded you. Uh, Disciples in Christ's time, in many ways, it was an issue of of the intellect. There was a training of what to say and how to think. It wasn't as, it was partly ethical, but it was very much about what you think. And you see Jesus' discipleship, it is hands-on. It is coaching about what you do. It is transformative. It uh, is radical. Loving your enemies, uh, turning the other cheek, caring for the poor, caring for the wounded, uh, gathering together those who other people reject. Uh, There is a picture of the church and the discipleship of Jesus that is radically different. And as he says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, Um, He's certainly talking about this command, but I think he's talking about the things that he said and the things that he's done. As I've discipled you, the 11 specifically, but then all those who are listening, who have seen this discipleship, women and men and and people that are, are ready to start this church, take everything that I've commanded you, everything that I've shown you, and teach it to others. This picture is found in Romans 12, 1 and 2. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The expectation is that we would grow up in our faith, that we would come to understand the teachings of God, to apply them and to be absolutely transformed by them as we surrender our lives to Him, as we offer our lives to Him, as our act of worship for saving us. Making disciples is bringing people into that position where they have laid their lives before the Father, where they have called Jesus Lord, where they have learned His teachings, and they have applied them to their lives, and then they themselves are going out and making disciples. Jesus has told us to go make disciples just like he did. In John 13, 34 and 35, we uh, might remember that Jesus says a new command I give you, to love one another, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. Love is at the heart of the message and the ministry of what it means to make disciples. To do what God has commanded, to observe what God has commanded, to teach others to observe what God has commanded is to understand that love is at the heart of our faith. A dear friend of mine said to me uh, that he heard uh, President Trump say, uh, evangelicals love me and uh, and, I, and I've thought about that a lot. I've thought about what does that mean, evangelicals love me? And I've decided that's great that Trump said that, that President Trump said that. I just wish President Biden would say it as well. I, I pray that, I, I wish that people who see us uh, in the church, that they would know that love is who we are and that we care about them and that we want to seek and save those who are lost that we don't despise people and turn them away and we don't uh, build up barriers between political positions or racial positions or whatever you know socioeconomic positions we don't build up those barriers in the church the church we tear those down so that we can love with abandon and make disciples We see the power of Christ in the church. Go make disciples. The playbook of Christ for the church. Go make disciples. And now the presence of Christ in the church. Go make disciples. Jesus makes a promise that is tied to this command. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What a promise to the church. That Jesus is with us. Jesus is still building his church. Jesus is still involved in what's happening in the church. Jesus is still sending us. Jesus is still uh, using his authority to send us to reach others. His commands are still other-centered. He is still the God and the friend that we expect him to be, filled with love and, and courage and sending us to become his followers and sending us to raise up other followers. And we can have confidence because we know that Jesus hasn't left us alone. He is with us always to the end of the age. That's what he promises. Jesus entered the world as Emmanuel, God with us. And he has uh, pursued us. And he is uh, the one who is with us every step. You're not alone at night. The church is not Shifting in the waves without Jesus in the boat. Do you remember when Christ was in the boat and, and, the, and he was sleeping and the, and the storm was coming and, and it was pushing that boat all over the place and the disciples were bailing and they were afraid and they woke up Jesus and said, save us. And, and Jesus pointed out they should have faith. Faith in what? If Jesus is in the boat. When Jesus says he is with us to the end of the age, that means Jesus is still in the church. Jesus is still leading the church. Well, maybe you'll say, well, the church has been disappointing. Well, yeah, we're people. I know I can be disappointing and I know that you can be disappointing, but Jesus is still building his church and he still has a game plan of us making disciples and telling the world about his story, his reign and his salvation and His authority and His presence. We have so much to be excited about. Well, as Jesus speaks in this passage about authority, we see that we have the privilege of worshiping and glorifying our Lord and Savior. And as He sends us to go, we are on assignment and we should go together. And when He sends us to uh, baptize, He is saying, welcome people into your community and gather together. And He says, teach them to do all that I have commanded you. He's saying, grow together. And His authority and His presence are the promises that we have. The assurance of success. Success isn't that everyone will believe. Success is that His children, His followers, His disciples would go and make disciples of others. Well, there is going to be a renewed commitment at the bridge to, uh, uh, to make disciples and to train and to teach. And we recognize that that can't just be head knowledge, but we need to lean in together. And I want you to know that we can have confidence that Christ is still building His church and that we are on assignment even now, right now in 2020, to be those who... Uh, present and promote the peace that the Messiah brought for us with God and with others and to advance the gospel and to make disciples teaching them to do all. Well as we shifted to doing Walmarts and Sam's Club the job constantly changed. It started out with Sam's Club remodels and those were very different than Walmart remodels. Walmart remodels were 10 weeks and Sam's Club remodels were usually three months. Uh, Sam's Club wasn't open as much as Walmart's were. Sometimes Walmart's were open all night long and we were working right beside the customers. And I needed to train differently as changes happened. But the same rules were in play. Don't hinder Walmart or Sam's Club from sales. Don't offend customers or hurt customers or put them at risk. Don't do anything Be part of the team with Walmart and Sam's Club and understand what they're trying to accomplish while helping them understand what we are trying to accomplish. All of those things didn't change. The mission didn't change. But it changed how we did it as we moved from Sam's Club Remodel to Walmart Remodel and then to New Construction. And New Construction had a completely different feel and I would have to train a crew to do that completely differently. All of a sudden you're working days and you're working alongside of others. But Walmart still has a specific way that they want things done and things that they absolutely care about. Well, it's the same for us in 2020. Things have changed since the first century. And how we go and make disciples and how we baptize, it's not the same as it was in the first century. There's much that's changed. But the game plan has not changed at all. And the authority of Christ in the work has not changed at all. And the presence of God in the act of making disciples has not changed at all. We as the church can be confident in 2020 that our job is to make disciples. Let's go and make disciples, even now, while we're waiting to gather back together. Won't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for our church. Thank you for uh, Jesus Christ, uh, the lover of our souls, the one who came near and pursued us, the one that showed us your heart for the lost and your love, the one that provided a way for us to be saved, the one that was raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father, the one that, who is the head of the church and the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth, the one who transforms us. Thank you for Jesus. Father, without Jesus, don't send us. It isn't just a promise uh, that Jesus will be with us in this work. It's that we have no hope unless Jesus is with us in this work. Jesus, would you extend your authority on the church's behalf in 2020? Would you make your presence clear to the church in 2020? And Father, would we be about your business of making disciples and growing up in our faith? In Jesus' precious name. Amen.